Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Federal prosecutors are taking a hard line with the parents caught up in the college admissions scandal. They're quickly wrapping up guilty pleas from 13 parents who were looking to reduce their punishment and raising the stakes for 16 parents who held out by indicting them and adding a money laundering charge to the conspiracy charge. Joining me is former federal prosecutor George Newhouse of Theodora Oringer. So, George, all the parents were arrested last month, most on a criminal complaint, so essentially a statement of facts. An indictment is more serious. Does that suggest anything to you? Well, the reason they went with a criminal complaint, June, is that the, an indictment takes a lot more time. It takes time to present it to the grand jury. They clearly had timing issues because, of course, they wanted to time the announcement of this big investigation within weeks of all the admissions occurring at all these elite schools. So that's why they went with a complaint. Then, of course, what they do is they approach all of the defendants. And you said 29 or 30. I mean, there are probably another 50 or so in the winds, and presumably those investigations are continuing. So they go to the parents and they say, here's the deal. You can plead to this. And if you don't, by the way, there are other charges out there. They could be looking at a charge of tax fraud for contributing to this 501c3 not-for-profit charity that was not in any way involved in charitable activities. So the bottom line is it's a, it's a pressure ploy. It, it is designed to induce quick turnaround guilty pleas, and that is what makes the life simple for U.S. attorneys. So money laundering charges, you, know, you automatically think about crime syndicates, asset forfeiture. Is this a bit of prosecutorial overreach just to put pressure on these parents? An excellent question, June, and I have criticized this the charging decisions that have been made. It is not money laundering, certainly not what Congress intended by money laundering. And of course, the parents were all charged with conspiracy to commit RICO violations. That's the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act passed in the 60s to combat actual racketeering. We're talking about organized crime, narcotics conspiracies, not people who engage in, in commercial fraud. So I think the case has been overcharged. But the reason that prosecutors like to do that is it puts tremendous pressure on the individuals to waive their constitutional rights and to plead guilty. You know, the question has been asked over and over about whether the parents will spend any time in prison. And at the beginning of this, I thought, no. But with all the publicity, there's pressure to make them an example. So is it possible that some of these high-powered, high-profile parents will spend some time in prison? That really is the question at this point can't be answered, but there's no question. These are extremely serious charges. It is a high-profile case, and as you correctly point out, it means that the attention of the nation is directed to what is going to this court. The nice thing about federal judges, I will say, and it's true for them all over the country, they don't really respond to pressure because politics doesn't involve them. So I'm confident that the judges who render these decisions will base it upon the unique facts of this case. I think a lot of those parents are excellent candidates for straight probation. The judge will take into account the price they've already paid, the price with their children, the, you know, the tremendous negative publicity, and the fact that most of these people take the uh, former head of the New York law firm has already lost his job. So there are many punishments and detriments that are imposed on people who sustain felony convictions and Prison is usually not the answer for these people. 
let's turn to the students. Some of the students were in on the scheme. It said that most of them weren't. Could any of those students be charged with a crime? Well, it's a great point. If the students were knowingly involved in the making of false statements and knew that bribes were being paid on their behalf, in theory they would have aiding and abetting complicity. They could be charged potentially in a conspiracy, but that's really, I mean, that would be an example of overcharging that I think we're not going to see. So that's not going to happen. The price the students are paying as we're, we're looking at what's occurring at the universities is that many of them are being expelled from a university, degrees being taken away. Uh, the colleges and universities, which I think rightly feel that they're the victim in these schemes, are taking this very seriously. You mentioned the uh, possible tax charges and a revised criminal complaint against two of the 13 parents pleading guilty suggests that new line of inquiry, as well as the prosecutor saying this investigation isn't over. So what might they be looking into now, George? Well, again, particularly for the people that are not quickly coming to terms and pleading guilty, they could be looking at a charge that's called a client conspiracy, it is a conspiracy to impair and impede the functioning of the IRS in assessing taxes and collecting tax liabilities. And I can tell you one of the pet peeves of the IRS on the enforcement side are contributions to, quote, 501c3s that are not really charities and which give back value. And there is undoubtedly billions of dollars in illicit deductions taken. I mean, this particular foundation was ironically set up to, quote, serve the underserved children, which, of course, it did quite the opposite. But yes, this, I expect, could be a priority for the IRS and could result in further charges. What might the parents who do decide to go to trial, what might their defense be? Wow. I, I have no idea because <laughs> I have no If there no are idea. tapes, it's not so much I didn't do it, but... The beautiful thing about tapes from a prosecutor's standpoint is there is no cross-examining a tape recording the words of the defendant are out there for everyone to hear. So there is no spin control. You'd have to be a high-placed politician in D.C. to be able to explain some of these statements. And, of course, then not credibly. So if they're on tape with Singer, which most of the early people are, they really have no choice. We'll have to leave it there, George, but more to come on this, that's for sure. And thanks so much. That's former federal prosecutor George Newhouse of Theodore Oringer. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.